Take your Bibles, if you would, and head to the book of Psalms, or the books of the Psalms. And this morning we're going to be looking at Psalm 115, the first three verses. We are going to take a two-Sunday hiatus from the book of Romans. This is something that we've done in the past. And in order to introduce the theme that is coming next year, uh, as well as to reorient us, and perhaps also give us a, a small break from our uh, book study of the year, and then we'll dive back in in a few Sundays. But this Sunday we want to move to Psalm 115, verses 1 uh, through 3. Our theme for next year is going to be gospel purity, remaining deeply rooted in Jesus. And the book that we are going to be looking through for the year is the book of Leviticus. Can I get an amen? That was weak. Oh, there we go. All right. <laughs> Thank you. We, um, I hope, have been enjoying going through the book of Romans, really understanding what the gospel is and also what it produces in us. And then the goal in 2023 is to go through the book of Hebrews. But in order to do that, I think we need to go back to the book of Leviticus and understand the Old Testament sacrificial system and how all of that points to Jesus. And so I hope that you'll stay with us as we go from Romans to Leviticus. But this morning we're in Psalm 115, verses 1 through 3. We are not sure what occasioned this psalm, or I should say, when this psalm was written, or about what events this psalm refers. There are a number of different um, guesses, educated and otherwise, as to when this psalm was written, or the events about which it is talking, but we don't actually know. But essentially what is happening, in a broad picture sense, is that the nations that do not believe in the one true God are looking at Israel's situation and asking a question, which will be revealed to us in verse 2 of our psalm. Where is God? You say that you believe in God. You say that you trust God. You say that God works all things for good, as we have just sung. You say that following God is worth it. You say that God is beautiful. You say that God is love and truth and goodness, and kindness, and protection, and love, and these and so many other things, and yet your situation does not seem to back that up. So where is your God? Now in our current situation, what is impacting us is impacting everybody else. And so it is not that Christians, those that believe in the one true God, are being singled out. But to hear from some, you would think that was actually the case. And so, the question, I think, still remains, from those that do not believe in God, certainly. You say that you trust God, and yet your entire Facebook feed and every conversation I've had with you over the last 18 to 20 months seems to indicate that you don't actually trust God. So what's going on here? And I thought it might be helpful for us, especially in a week where we had some 
news that once again uh, extended regulations and other things. We're questioning whether we'll ever be out of this and those sorts of things. Perhaps complaining and griping and grumbling and murmuring at what needs to be done, perhaps, on a very regular and consistent basis is to remind ourselves of who God is. And so let's do that. So hopefully you're there in Psalm 115, and I want to read the first three verses this morning. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory. For the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness, why should the nation say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. This is the word of God. In verse 1, then, the psalmist, as is common in the Psalms, wants to reorient our perspective. How often our failures come because of an improper perspective. And so we are looking at what appears to be the largeness of the situation instead of the bigness of our God. We seem to be using the finiteness of our intellect instead of the wisdom of an infinite almighty God. We tend to look at our solutions for the current problems, which of course are amazing because we're amazing, so... If only we were in charge, things would be different around here. Instead of gratefully submitting to the one who's actually in charge. And so verse 1 helps us to gain proper perspective. Notice in the first place, it reminds us of our sinful bent. The nation of Israel is in trouble. They're going through some times that they don't enjoy. They're facing struggles. Things are not the way that they want them to be. And so, what would be very easy is for them and us to reach out and ask for a change in situation for us. And the psalmist says something, and he doesn't just say it once, he says it twice, to remind us of our bent inward. Not to us, O Lord. Not to us. Our natural bent, without the transforming power of God's Holy Spirit because of Jesus Christ and for His glory, is inward. We naturally care about ourselves. We naturally want everybody to listen to our thoughts and opinions. We naturally want to be heard. We naturally want things to go the way that we want them to go. And we naturally advocate for and elevate ourselves. And the psalmist says, part of gaining a proper perspective and regaining a proper perspective is reminding ourselves of our sinful bent and asking for forgiveness and moving forward for God's glory and not our own. And so he repeats this line, and it would do us good to repeat it as well. Not to us, O Lord, not to us. I am grieved by the number of Christians and certainly the number of Christian leaders 
who have made this time that we have been in all about them. That is always sin. But what a grievous sin when I think one of the things God may be doing through this is causing us to turn to Him. We always make it about us, don't we? And so the psalmist says, not to us. Notice in the second part of verse 1, rightly fearing God, but to your name give glory. We operate in God's environment. We operate under God's authority. We are a part of His economy and are working out His plan. And the fear of God, the scripture says elsewhere, is the beginning of wisdom. And it's difficult to, in a very short period of time, define the fear of God. It is, on the one hand, not a panic-inducing, petrifying fear, per se, but it is also not simply just awe and respect. The word is a good one. It's a biblical one. And I would commend to you a book by my friend and brother, Michael Reeves, Rejoice and Tremble, all about the fear of God. But another part of reorienting ourselves and gaining the proper perspective is remembering the one to whom we answer, the one whose plan we are a part of, not the other way around, and submitting graciously and gratefully to that. How often have we complained this week, this month, this morning? How often do we murmur, gripe, to the degree that we understand the fear of God? To that same degree, we begin to be grateful instead of grumbling. And so the psalmist says, our bent is inward, God. Save us from that inward bent and turn us outward and upward because your name is the one that should be glorified. And notice in the third place, we rejoice then in God's character. Why is God to be glorified? It would be enough just simply because he's God. But notice there's two parts of the character of God that the psalmist highlights. For the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Our God is love. Love is not a concept outside of God to which he adheres. He defines what love is for us. And this situation, none of us saw coming and none of us are happy about, I don't suspect. There may be the odd few. Introverts of the world unite. We can be tempted to believe that God has ceased to love us. And if we look at our situation, it seems to speak to a lack of love. But in order for us to continue to have the proper perspective, we not only need to remember our sinful bent and reorient our perspective outward and upward, we need to remember the God whom we serve, the God who gave himself for us, the God who defines for us what love is. Therefore, none of this current situation can be unloving because it comes at the hand of a God who is love. 
And that ought to help us. God's heart, God's motive is never hate. It can't be. It's never to destroy us, to harm us, to do evil to us. We have an enemy that desires that for us. But that is not our God. And so the many circumstances that Israel found themselves in in the current circumstance or circumstances that we find ourselves in, we need to continually remind ourselves that these things come at the hand of a loving God, a God who is love. And then notice his faithfulness. Perhaps we have been tempted during this period of time to believe that God has forgotten us. Perhaps we have been tempted to believe that he does not have our best interest in mind. And yet, our God is everlastingly, eternally faithful. He will never leave us, nor forsake us. Never. Not even in our darkest hour. Not even in situations that we feel nothing but darkness, nothing but overwhelmed, nothing but not even able to keep our heads above water. Our God does not leave us. He will never leave us, nor forsake us. He is always faithful. Even this morning, in our scripture reading from the book of Ezekiel, God using the analogy of a vine, a branch, a branch that is not useful for much, and then burned in the fire is even more useless. And God says to his prophet Ezekiel, that is the judgment I'm bringing upon my nation of Israel. And yet, what does he say even in that, all, that passage? A passage that does not seem to have a lot of hope. There is something that remains. We do not deserve God's grace. We do not deserve his love. We deserve his rejection. We have not handled ourselves as American, North American evangelicals well at all during this crisis. Overall, we don't deserve God's faithfulness. We don't deserve his love. We don't deserve his patience, his kindness, his goodness, his gentleness. And yet our God is faithful through it all. Notice then in the second place, in verse 2, an improper perspective. We should not be the ones questioning where is God. We're the ones that are supposed to believe in him and trust him in all things. The nations say, though, in verse 2, where is their God? How can you say that God is love? How can you claim that God is faithful through all of this? Where is your God? This perspective is the opposite of what we see in verse 1. This is an inward bent. Life is not running the way I want it to. Things are not happening the way I would have them happen if I were in charge. From an improper perspective and from an inward bent comes sinfulness. They do not fear God. They're mocking this God that you say exists. Where is he? He was supposed to show up like an hour ago. You say that you trust him. As many have said down throughout scripture and history, what good is it to trust God? This is a perspective that does not fear him. And this is also a perspective then that does not understand that God is love and God is faithful and so many other things. 
The third place then, and I have taken this from Michael's title of his new book on the fear of God, Rejoice and Tremble. Notice verse 3. Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Notice in the first place, God's place. God is in the heavens. He is on the throne. He is the one who has always existed and will always exist. He is the one that spoke all things into existence from nothing. He is the one that rules over all. The rest of this psalm compares the one true God to the idols of the nations. They are made by human hands. They have ears, but they cannot hear. They have eyes, but they cannot see. They do not have minds. They are nothing. But our God, the psalmist says, is in the heavens. He's the one that spoke all things into existence, and he's the one that rules over all things. And so the fear of him is the right perspective and the right response, and also gratitude to him. When things appear to be the most out of control, we need to remind ourselves that our God is always in control. There are many times through human history, recorded in Scripture and otherwise, where things seem to be bad and certainly worse than they are right now. But our God is always on His throne. Everything is happening according to His plan. He is sovereign over all. But notice something that is implied in the first part of this verse that you might miss on first reading. Where is our God? Our God is in the heavens. And so notice in the second point, under point three, God's perspective. What is our perspective? Our perspective is where we're at right now. Our perspective is our close surroundings. It might extend island-wide, but even then our, our perspective is severely limited. We think we have a broader perspective, but we do not. We are largely unaware of most of what is going on. And where is our God? He is transcendent. He is outside of planet Earth. His perspective is eternal. His perspective is all-encompassing. His perspective is truly universal. So all of our thoughts, perspectives, ideas, opinions, relate to our very, very, very feeble, weak and small perspective. Definitely finite perspective. But our God is in the heavens. His perspective is infinite. It not only stretches through the entire universe, it stretches down through time, all the way to the beginning and all the way to eternity future. His perspective is limitless. Ours is extraordinarily limited. And so all those posts, all of those experts who got their medical degrees from Facebook University have a very limited perspective. But our God is in the heavens. And notice then, lastly, under that point, one of the greatest succinct statements about the sovereignty of God in Scripture. He does all that He pleases. 
God does not have to check with anybody else. God does not have to run his plan by a committee. Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Not some, all that he pleases. Because he is love. Because he is truth. Because he is goodness and mercy and grace and compassion and kindness and holiness and righteousness. Because he is all of these things. His ways are always best. His plan is always best. And what He pleases are those things that match His perfection. And all of those things He does. Now, unchecked power of that nature would be terrifying were it in anyone else's hands but our God. And yet in His hands, in His graciously sovereign hands, what a, what a comfort that ought to be to us. Grace Baptist, none of this took by God by surprise. God wasn't sitting up in the heavenlies March of last year watching the news cycle and suddenly got hit with COVID-19. Where did that come from? That wasn't part of the plan. No, our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. All of this is by His good and graciously sovereign hand. We don't know all the reasons why. We don't know how long this is going to last. We were sick of it 17 months ago. We don't have the answers. We are frustrated. We are confused. We're angry by times, despondent by others. We're certainly less than hopeful. And so let us remember to reorient our perspective. It's not about us. It never was. It never will be. It's about Him. He is to be feared. He is to be obeyed and submitted to because He is good. He is love and He is faithful. An improper perspective causes us to doubt, to fear, to complain, to gripe, to grumble, and murmur. We should not be the ones asking the question, where is our God? But we should remember that our God is in the heavens, ruling over all things, with a heavenly perspective, able to see things that we can never see, not only spatially, but also chronologically. And so everything is in his good and graciously sovereign hands. So what is our response this morning? Where we have failed, let us repent. And let us remind ourselves of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everywhere we fail, he has succeeded on our behalf. And so let us turn to him, as always, and let us live under the proper fear of God. Before we post or repost that thing, before we share that opinion or thought, or before we go on a rant, before we gripe and grumble and complain, before we question God, before we doubt God, before we do what those 
who make no pretense of knowing and loving God do, before we do any of those things, let us remember, it's not about us. It's all about the one who is love and faithfulness and goodness and kindness and truth. Let us not have the same perspective as those who make no claim to believe in the one true God. But let us rejoice and be re-energized and comforted and challenged and changed by the fact that our God is in the heavens and He does all that He pleases. He has not left us. He does not take vacation. He does not take a break. He does not need naps. Our God is the Almighty One, from everlasting to everlasting. Yahweh, the Lord of lords and the King of kings. He has not and will not leave us. He has not and never will forsake us. Let us rejoice in Him, where we have not, thank God for Jesus Christ. So based on His sacrifice on our behalf, let us repent and let us move forward more in the fear of God today than we were yesterday. Because our God is in the heavens. He does all that He pleases, including bringing a global pandemic to bear on the world that He created. God is not unaware of this. God is allowing this for what we do not know. But if out of this, the only thing that happens is that his people remember him and people that do not know him are introduced to him, to God be the glory. Great things he has done. Let's look to him in prayer this morning. Father, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to gather as Grace Baptists, as your family here at Grace we're so thankful again for the beautiful day, the beautiful weather, the beautiful fellowship we have had, and the beautiful fellowship we will continue to have. We're so thankful for the freedom that we have. We're thankful for those in positions of authority, whether we have been instructed to pray for them. We try to do that regularly. We need to do that more. Father, thank you for your sovereignty. Forgive us for times and seasons where we have doubted it or questioned it. But Father, may it be always a balm for our soul that you are in the heavens. You know all things. You see all things. You are not tyrannical. You are not despotic. You are a good gracious and loving and kind and compassionate and holy and just and righteous and true heavenly father we can trust you help us not to lean on our own understanding but in all our ways acknowledge you to fear you to not as those who do not know you and even hate you, claim, and question, where are you? But to be able to say in every circumstance, God is here. He's always been here, and he always will be here. He will never leave us nor forsake us. He loves us, and he is faithful and kind and true. And all of the things that are happening and all the things that will yet happen come from his good and gracious hand. And so, Father, thank you. Reorient our perspective, even this morning we pray. May we live under the proper fear of you, 
pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.